woke up quick at about noon. And welcome into the May 1st edition, the Friday, May 1st edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. Appreciate you so much tuning in. Appreciate those who have subscribed, rated, reviewed. Uh, if you've been putting it off for almost a year now, I appreciate you taking the time to. You can do it right now. You don't even have to stop the podcast. Just head over to the podcast app that you're listening to me from. Look for the five stars there in the by the description and the episode links, and boom, hit the five stars. We'll be good to go. I appreciate those who have also checked out the new Patreon page. Uh, you can find that through DamienBarling.com. Click the orange Patreon, become a Patreon button in the left-hand corner, and you can check out all of the exciting things that we got going on over there. There's a whole bunch to talk about NBA-wise. Remember, today was supposed to be the day, May 1st. Today was going to be the day that the NBA was going to – they were going to allow teams to return to the training facilities. Now, under strict mandates, there were going to be uh, no more than, I think, four people allowed in a facility at a time, and you know things were have to, going to have to be sterilized. There's also, I think, uh, uh, maybe one-on-O workouts, which there's a little discrepancy there. I don't, I don't know if players were going to be able to go in and work out by themselves, or if there were going to be certain trainers who were going to allowed, uh, going to be allowed to be there with them. But in any event, the big day was supposed to be May 1st. And that obviously got people's hopes up like, Oh, wait a minute. If the training facilities are opening back up, well, maybe, maybe we will get an end to an NBA season, and we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. LeBron talked about it. Uh, there's all sorts of rumors uh, going on out there about the NBA. Uh, but let's look at this now. M- remember, May 1st got pushed to May 8th. Well, the Athletic reported today that uh, 15 of the league's 30 teams, including the Lakers and the Clippers, including the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Heat. Those are the top teams in their respective division. They're still in states that have shelter-in-place orders at the end of next week, and the NBA isn't going to deviate from that. So the Clippers and the Lakers, which also means, by the way, the Warriors and the Kings, they're not going to be able to get back into their facilities. The top four teams in the Eastern Conference, they're not going to be able to get back into their facilities. We said this earlier in the week when this was announced, or if it was last week. I don't know. I've, I've completely lost the concept of time. This idea by the NBA is bad. It's bad because it's been made public that the facilities are going to open. And, and I understand that in that of itself, just the note that, hey, the place where the Sacramento Kings train, it's going to open back up. That in and of itself, it's not really that big of a deal. It just means if there are any Sacramento Kings here, if they can responsibly, you know, go to a training facility, go to their training facility and work out, and fine. Like the, the, there's there's easy ways to navigate social distancing, disinfecting, you know, basketballs, disinfecting gym equipment, all of that stuff. That's not that's not the most complicated thing in the world to handle, but. Allowing all of this stuff to go public, and I I don't know whether they intentionally leaked all this information. My belief is they intentionally leaked this information. When you do, you get everyone's, oh, the training facilities. Oh, let's see, May 1st. Well, maybe, maybe that means by the, I don't know, middle of June, maybe at the start of July, maybe then we'll get 
professional basketball back. Maybe then we'll get this playoffs. Maybe then we can crown a champion. You combine that with a story that we've heard about uh, really quite a bit. We've heard about this since the suspension started. It was one of the first, uh, the suspension of the league started. It was one of the first things that, that we discussed and that I think it was the someone within the Rockets organization, I think, had been making a push in recent years to change the calendar year of or to to change the uh, league year for the NBA to start in December and end like I, I, I think around August instead of starting in October, late, late October and ending in June. And now there seems to be a growing sentiment. Well, if whether we can or we can't salvage any sort of championship, any sort of playoff run out of this last season, we know starting in October, we know starting with an 82-game schedule in October is going to be difficult. We know starting with an 82-game schedule in October with fans in attendance is going to be virtually impossible. So what can we do to kind of minimize that impact and maybe if what, uh, the health professionals say is accurate that you know live sporting events probably aren't going to be a thing in our world until a vaccine is made regularly, you know, w- widely available for everybody. Maybe we could minimize that. Maybe if we got, maybe if things bounced our way and and and, and the vaccine, you know, be, became widely available in 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 February or March, and in instead of having, you know, five or six months or five months of, of basketball uh, without fans. Maybe we could minimize it to three, and then maybe we could start letting fans back into the arena. And even when they do that, are we going from zero to 17,000? Is, like, is, is there maybe another, maybe do we slow roll fans back into arenas, depending on the size of the stadium? And I don't know how this works. There's season ticket holders, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of other things besides how how fans are introduced back into live sporting events uh, that go far beyond uh, COVID nineteen. It goes with like thirty million people have filed for unemployment. I mean, there's the term discretionary income may very well be eliminated from the vocabulary of most people for the next few years. Because there's going to be very little discretionary income. I mean, just because let's 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 say every let's say uh, uh, states lift stay at home bans and 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 let's go with the ultra positive and, and 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 businesses can can get back at it and and all of that stuff like they still lost money. Businesses still lost money. Companies still lost money. It's not like, oh, okay, everything's back to normal. Let's. Sh- How many people did we fire? 15? Okay, let's go hire 15 people. No, they've still lost that money on the calendar year, and they have are pretty much going to have to slow build to hire some of those people back. And if a company fired 15, I mean, maybe they'll hire back half of that. If a company furloughed 10, you hope that all 10 come off a of furlough, but in all likelihood, uh, that might not be happening. So once things go back to, uh, quote, normal, that doesn't necessarily mean things are going to be normal again. And the Golden One Center is going to have a difficult time selling tickets. 
long term, selling tickets. Maybe everybody is going to be excited when basketball comes back and they're going to try to get a ticket to the first game. But that may very well be the extent of it. And it's yeah, and I'm not speaking about the city of Sacramento. I'm just using the Kings as an example. I'd imagine the same is going to be true for the Golden State Warriors. It's going to be true for the Lakers. It's going to be true for the Clippers. It's going to be true for, for the 30 teams around the league. 30 million people have filed for unemployment. 30 million people aren't going to have that same type of discretionary income uh, that, that they may have had, you know, one month and a half ago, two months ago. So the introduction of fans back into live sporting events is going to be very different. And is it whether it's, you know, zero to 17,000 is, is, I think that's debatable in and of itself. We've seen, you know, how is the travel industry going to change? How is, you know, are, are, are they going to eliminate middle seats from, from airlines now? Which is a, I know that sounds like a glorious travel experience, but you're going to pay for it. You know, <laughs> dollar wise, you're going to be paying for that travel experience. Um, but things, whenever things go back to n- normal, it's, it's going to be an entirely different normal, at least for a period of time than you know, we're used to. And that's the frustrating thing about you, you. You think about air travel and you think about potentially removing the, the, you know, the middle seats and flights becoming more expensive. And, but people, some people have got to travel for business. Uh, some companies got to pay for their employees to travel. Uh, some people need to get to see family, all those different things. Point is travel is a necessity for some people, which means those higher prices get paid. And when vaccines become readily available and maybe middle seats get added back or maybe, you know, our new normal starts to go back to our old normal, we've already paid the price for the higher, you know, the higher airline travel. Or we've already paid the price for the higher, you know, whatever else you can think of. That price ain't going back down. I think about it with gas. Gas doesn't, we all thought that gas was going to go back down to like $2 or, or, or a dollar or something like that. No, it never did. Why? Because we were paying four. We were paying $4 a gallon. We were regularly playing, paying three seventy five dollars a gallon. So why would they lower it? We were paying it. As long as there was a need for it, we were going to pay it. And they saw that and were like, oh yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to change this. Now, that was a massive left turn from the NBA opening back up their facilities. But where I was going with this is the NBA needs to just, they need to, they need to end this conversation immediately. They need to stop, just stop all of this. Like what, like what does it mean if, you know, the Atlanta's already said they're not going back. Uh, I'm trying to find a state. Like what, what, what does it mean if the Oklahoma City Thunder can open up their practice facility? You know, I, I mean, and, and now I also read, uh, let's see, that was courtesy of The Athletic that wrote that report. I think the um, NBA, uh, ESPN had a, a memo from the NBA that went out last night advising teams, the NBA advised teams not to arrange uh, coronavirus tests for asymptomatic players and staff. Dude, that, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem, and that's and that goes into line to what we were talking about earlier in this week. If you want to open up these facilities, like fine, everybody who walks through that facility has to be tested. Because if not, we're going to set this thing all into motion again. Remember Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart was asymptomatic. Remember Donovan Mitchell? 
Donovan Mitchell was asymptomatic. But because of the situation that those guys were in and the fact that, you know, obviously Donovan Mitchell was in that high-profile game against the Oklahoma City Thunder with a rather high-profile teammate that shut the whole season down. Um, and then he had to get tested. And then, uh, you know, there was the six degrees of separation from Rudy Gobert where they tracked the teams that had played them, that, that, that had played the Utah Jazz within the last 10 days. I know all of the Boston Celtics players were tested and uh, all of the staff was quarantined, all of the travel party was quarantined, I think for, I don't even think it was 14 days, I think it was like 21 days. But Marcus Smart tested positive, he was, he was asymptomatic. He was like, I, like I, I'm good, like I, I don't know, I'm good. Like if I hadn't take this test, I wouldn't have known. And now you're going to start putting, you know, more players in contact with each other, but you don't want to test the asymptomatic players and staff, that's going to be a problem. And that's going to lead to this whole thing being set in motion again, because all it takes is one, one player that comes into workout, one staff member that comes into workout or comes into work or whatever. And the chain of events is set back into motion. Because let's say an asymptomatic player walks into the golden one center to get a workout. And, you know, all of the precautions are taken. But somehow he forgot to wipe down a dumbbell. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Or he forgot to wipe down one of the balls. I, I, I don't know. But isn't it, doesn't it seem easy how this, this, this whole thing could just set back into motion again, given how contagious this is? Because remember the thing, with, remember Donovan Mitchell's quote, like, if I... If they hadn't told me I tested positive, I wouldn't know. Like, I feel I feel fine. Marcus Smart, I think, said something, you know, similar. This, the, 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 everything that the NBA... I don't expect this stuff from the NBA. I expect this stuff from the NFL. I don't expect this from the NBA, though. Uh, the memo also said that the NBA is still looking at opportunities for league-wide testing capabilities and anticipates implementing one when team-organized activities resume. It didn't say if team-organized activities resume. It said when. So I, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of they meant whether it's this year or it's next season. Uh, I'm going to assume that that's what they meant when team-organized activities resume. And the NBA took a lot of flack. The uh, Thunder, Jazz... And a number of other teams got tested uh, at a time where tests were far more scarce than they are now. And it still feels like they're pretty scarce now, but it was, you know, the, it was way worse, you know, a month and a half ago. Uh, they, they paid big time to get those tests and none of them were taken from local hospitals, but that's not the story. The story was tests are not readily available and somehow the NBA just managed to test um, you know, 50, 60 some odd players, 50, 60 some odd uh, members of a traveling party. So, you know, then you've got LeBron yesterday. LeBron, you know, uh, tweeted, uh, as soon as it's safe, we would like to finish our season. I think uh, he, he, was re he responded to a report that said um, league officials and agents are pushing to officially cancel the season. And LeBron, you know, wrote on Twitter, yeah, like, I don't know anyone who's pushing to do that. Uh, we would like, as soon as it's safe, we would like to finish 
our season. I'm ready. Our team is ready. Nobody should be canceling anything. Uh, Mark Cuban, who uh, he's spoken on the possible uh, return of an NBA season uh, a number of times. He said on CNN uh, on Thursday he was cautiously optimistic we'll be able to finish the season. Of course, he acknowledged it'll have to be done uh, without fans. Uh, the Bucks owner, um, he has talked about it. R.C. Buford, believe it or not, who never talks, he's talked about it as well. He has expressed hope uh, that the NBA season uh, would resume here at some point. So hope is a hope is a beautiful thing. Hope is a, hope is an absolutely beautiful thing. I hope the NBA season resumes. I don't think the NBA season is going to resume, but I hope that it. I hope that it doesn't. What What's the other thing we've heard? Disney, uh, a potential. Um, the MGM Grand has been discussed in Las Vegas. We already knew that. Uh, there's there's um, three hotels, like three hotels, kind of all in that vicinity. They can basically, <laughs> this is so appropriate, quarantine a part of Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's other, you know, ideas that were discussed. One of them was Disney World in Orlando. Uh, there are basketball facilities there. And, you know, obviously they've got hotels. They've, they've, got, the, they've got the infrastructure to, to hold something like this. Short term, um, shortened playoff or whatever. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. There's ways that uh, Disney could do it. I think I like the Disney idea a little bit more than I like the Las Vegas idea. Uh, not because of the normal debauchery that comes with Las Vegas, because I just don't think that the debauchery is there. I just, I think I like the Disney World idea better. But there's a couple of, I mean, there's the, there's, there's the MGM Grand. You know, there's a couple of ways to play games there, and the games aren't, you know, what's the new, was it the T-Mobile place? Like, you, you can't play games in the team. It'd be silly to play games in the T-Mobile Center or, or T-Mobile Arena. That big, giant, you know, venue. It's gorgeous and all, but, like, what are you going to do with it? It's just going to be like a giant echo in the whole thing. You can't put any fans in it. You can play games at, at, at smaller facilities, which is why, the you know, the basketball facilities in Orlando would work. I think, isn't, I think NASCAR is racing this this month, I think they might be racing like in a week or two. Um, which you know, I mean, <laughs> that that works, right? I don't know how. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super familiar, and I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend I'm super familiar with like how many people are in a pit crew and how all of that stuff works. It it certainly seems like a lot of people, but it feels like all of those people have individual jobs. Now, granted, they've all got to work together in their individual jobs, but. That's one that I could, you know, that's one that I could see. Uh, and we've, you know, we've always said golf. Golf just makes the most sense in the world to, you know, if you want to, if you want to bring some type of sporting event back, man, golf seems like the one that just is a, is an absolute no brainer. Um, I can see the struggles with tennis to a certain degree, I, I, I guess. I mean, you're, you're, you're distanced quite a bit if you get, couple of ball kids out there to, you know, wearing gloves. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there like every other sports uh, entity is doing. Uh, Adam Silver has reportedly told teams he remains determined for the season to culminate with an NBA champion. Um, but if the league office uh, had any doubts that decision-making would become painstaking and polarizing, 
this past weekend reminded the that scrutiny awaits every decision. And the the decision from May 1st to May 8th to only half of the teams being able to open up their practice facilities, that's just a reminder to Adam Silver. Like this isn't no matter no matter what you guys are talking about privately, this isn't going to be able to execute this isn't going to be easy for you to execute. In theory, a lot of what you're saying probably works. In 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 execution, it maybe it doesn't. The idea of opening up team facilities so players who don't have, you know, the Mike Conley gyms at their house so they can go in and get workouts. And I think we're I think we're also overvaluing these, you know, these these basketball workouts. What these guys really need is something that I, I don't think they can have right now. What they really need when they come back and, you know, oh, I want to get a workout and what they need immediately following their workout is access to their physical trainer. That's that's what they need. Their physical therapist and 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 their and their sports and medicine guys. That's who they need access to, and they're not going to get it. At least to the best of my knowledge, they're not going to get it. Maybe you know, throw some some gloves and masks on those guys, and they can get the job done. But that's going against what the NBA has mandated in these memos. That's what they need. Because the last thing you want is, you know. <laughs> anybody it, it doesn't even pick a player that you want out working out and getting hurt and not being able to you know connect with their uh, sports and medicine guys or a guy going out there and getting in a workout and because he didn't get go through the you know the proper warm-ups and the proper uh stuff that they normally do or hey i don't even want to use the term proper that's not even a, a fair term let's say they're not doing the stuff that they normally do because their their sports and medicine guys can't be there then you've got You've got LeBron coming up hurt, or you got Chris Paul coming up hurt, or or, or whatever anybody. Or you, I mean, imagine if, it, if if the Kings, you know, opened up. Well, let's just you know, we guys can come in and get workouts in, even if they just start with a playoff format, and the Kings aren't able to play. Bogdan Bogdanovich goes in there and gets hurt. He's got contract negotiations. He's got to deal with. I would assume at some point this summer. There's a lot of flaws. <laughs> I, I, I applaud all of them. They're all trying. Baseball, they're trying. Baseball, uh, uh, basketball, I mean, they're tr- everyone's trying. Like, I, I applaud them for that. I just, I'm not sure it's going to work. What, what was it? Th- there was a report, to, uh, a, another report. I feel like baseball gives us, they give us content. They give us content on a daily. Uh, what was theirs? Let's see. Uh, league trying to squeeze in 100 games with, quote, momentum building from both owners and players looking to start in late June. All right. Late June, 100 games. All right. I feel like baseball, you know, for better or worse, they've had a lot of plans. <laughs> they've, they've had a lot of ideas. They have floated every single one of those ideas out there to the public, but they've had them. It's no different, really, than yeah, yeah. You know, I give them, I give them a hard time. Vince McMahon, you know, Vince McMahon going back and forth about doing live shows versus doing a bunch of tape shows in in one night, and you know, he's it's it's different. He's not a a sporting event. He's basically a live show that takes place in front of a. a He's a television show that takes place in front of a live crowd, and he's they've gone back and forth as to to how they're going to handle this and doing shows live versus doing shows taped and taping a bunch of shows at once or taping a couple each week or whatever the different things that they're trying to do down there at their performance studio in Florida. 
And every one of these sports leagues needs to thank the WWE because it was the WWE's money that opened up Florida for all of these sports leagues. Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon threw, what was it, like $19 million into a, a super PAC to help fund Donald Trump's reelection. And ho, 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 look at that. Magically, Florida opened back up. Huh. Color me coincidence. I don't even think that's a phrase. I just made that stupid stuff up. Dana White's doing the same thing. Dana White's got Fighter Island. Dana White's going to say, oh, I'm going to hold a big event. I'm not going to tell anybody where it's at. Well, it's because he doesn't want the backlash from the state. But he's trying. He's got a business to run. Everybody, you know, everybody with a business is trying to figure out the proper way to run it. I told you, like, uh, what was it, last week, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I had to call my barber. I Hey, I'll put on a mask and gloves and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bathe in hand sanitizer. But I, dude, I, 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 I'm one of those white people standing outside the, the state, the state capitals with a machine gun. I got to get my hair cut. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, my barber's trying to figure out a way to operate a business without being able to operate a business. My trainers, they're, they're, you know, game fit. They're trying to figure out how can we, you know, how can we, you know, work within, you know, the, the, the CDC guidelines, but still, you know, run our business. Like we're dying here. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Lakers are getting $4 million loans and all of these other, you know, massive corporations are getting these big million dollar loans. And you've got small businesses here in Sacramento that are, you know, not just in Sacramento, you've got small businesses across the country that are just dying. Like, Hey, can a I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, you've got restaurants that are, you know, who didn't used to DoorDash before, who didn't used to do, you know, delivery services before. Like they're all, they're all doing it because they're all trying to figure out a way to survive. ESPN posted an article uh, today that talked about the, basically the, the cost of disappearing sports. Uh, the disappearance of, of, of sports has cost According to a number of experts in their field, about $12 billion in revenue and hundreds of thousands of jobs. Um, an economic catastrophe that will more than double if the college football and NFL, NFL schedules are wiped out this fall. So we're looking at $12 million now, but if we lose the cash cows that are college football in the NFL, we're looking at something closer to $24 or $25 billion. The sports industry in, in general is usually valued at about $100 billion per year. So this factors in, and I, 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 I went through, like I was combing through this article, because I, it, it, and I understand why, because every city is different. But it leaves out something really important. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a couple examples of what is in this article. It's worth reading, reading if you're interested in stuff like this. Um, the crisis stands to wipe out more than $3.25 billion that fans would have spent on pro sports. That includes tickets, uh, jersey sales, you know, at arenas, uh, different things like that. It would erase uh, 300, and I think that includes like the hot dogs and all of the vendors and tickets and all of that stuff. Uh, it would have, uh, let's see, it erased $371 million in wages. Um, that's for the ticket takers, the vendors, uh, in like stadium 
and arena employees, says it's a raise $2.2 billion of national television revenue, as well as $2.4 billion in tourism related to youth sports. So, and I understand why it doesn't factor this in because you just, you just, you just can't measure the economic impact from city to city. However, take all of that, what you just heard about the, the, you know, the, the impact, the financial impact and start thinking, okay, what is the financial impact of the loss of the, you know, the Sacramento Kings season? What is the financial impact of the loss of, let's say 11, I don't remember what the exact number was. We'll just, we'll just say it was 11 home games at the Golden One Center. What was the financial impact for Sauced or, you know, Fizz or any one of those, you know, Yard House, any one of those, you know, flooded Doco businesses uh, that are thriving during game nights or game days? What's the financial impact on them? And once you take that into account and think about the financial impact on them. And then you realize, well, the whole world is shut down and there's an even more massive financial impact on them. And you've got this new facility in downtown Sacramento and you're a, you're, you're a relatively small business, but during this time of year, you really thrive. And all of a sudden your entire income has been cut off. Like that's not factored into this $12 billion. And that's where, like, that's where, it, it's it's once we get back to, quote, normal, it's going to be difficult for those businesses to get back to normal because they're going to be digging out of the hole that was built during this coronavirus pandemic. And like just like, again, if, if a judge slams the gavel and says, OK, it's over, we're cured. Everything's not going to be normal tomorrow. It's going to be so difficult for it's. It's going to be difficult for you know the 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 smaller gyms. It's going to be difficult for the bigger gyms. It's going to be difficult for the barber shops and all of these locally owned, you know, places who are who you know some of them are operating trying to make any type of money that they can operating under you know the the guidelines that have been set forth by us and then just some aren't. It's like we've we've got to take the L until we're told we don't have to take the L anymore. And it sucks, man. Like, I, I don't know what, man, I don't know what the rest of 2020 looks like. And I don't know what 2021 looks like. But even once states, quote, open back up, man, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while before I think things ever truly feel normal again. Being able to, you know, go for a walk outside and being able to go to the grocery store and not see, you know, everybody in a mask the most exciting part of your week like for me so far this week this, this is the kind of week that I had the most exciting part of my week was Wednesday night what's today Friday right yeah Wednesday I put together a grocery order on Amazon Prime I do this every week and every week for the last four weeks I haven't been able to get a delivery date and like I've tried, and I know if you like refresh it, close it, open back up, if you check at the right time, you could get it. Best part of my week was I got on, on uh, uh, Wednesday night, I got a delivery day for uh, this morning, for Friday morning. So at some point today, like I'll have, you know, groceries show up. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest deal in the world. That's the most exciting part of my pandemic week was, wow, I got, I got, a, 
I don't, I don't have to, you know, put a mask on and, and, and put my gloves on and put my hazmat suit on and, and go to sprouts and, you know, try to get a cauliflower or I don't know, whatever. It's Friday, man. I, that, that cost of sports article is interesting though. It's worth, uh, it's worth going to check out. Um, Obviously, the sports, the, you know, the sports fraction of the sports part of, you know, the financial impact on this country. It's a, it's a fraction. I mean, they they expect uh, well over uh, uh, the the sports that the business of sports is worth well over a uh, hundred billion dollars. That's just sports. The financial impact on you know society in general. Just ima- imagine if 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 sports bring in you know roughly a hundred billion dollars every year, the impact on that is is right now roughly twelve percent. It could jump to twenty five percent. A twenty five percent loss on that hundred billion dollars. Imagine what it is for you know the country. You know, imagine what it is for all of these businesses you know of, of, around the country that have had to completely shut down. Big businesses and small businesses alike. Uh, but if you're into numbers and studies, that ESPN article uh, is a decent look. Um, sticky, I saw this in a couple of different places. I thought it was worth bringing to your attention because now you know how much I hate DirecTV. And this, this believe it or not, was I'm very, um, I'm not cheap. I, I, I'm frugal. Maybe that, I think that's like the appropriate word. And, you know, I have my vices. I know I've like talked, you know, in detail about my shoes and stuff like that. But like, there's a little bit more context behind my shoe collection that I haven't always provided. But overall, like, I'm a pretty, I'm kind of a frugal person. Like, I'd I'd like to be aware. I'm I'm very I'm pretty good with money. I like to be aware of where it's going, what it's being spent on. And I'm almost embarrassed to say one of the first things I thought about when when the stay at home edict came in and you kind of get over that, uh, you know, kind of get over that initial shock of, okay, we're not supposed to leave the house. This is really bizarre. Like some of the places that I go to regularly, like they're not going to be open. One of the first things I started thinking about was there's is better not charge me for anything. I started thinking about, okay, what, what monthly charges do I have for places that like I can't go? Uh, what, where do I go that provides me a monthly service that I can no longer use? And I started thinking about those and thinking, man, I, 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 I need to make sure all of these are, are shut down and to the credit, the few places that I do go to that have monthly charges, they shut them all down on their own. Um, and then I started coming across these articles and it just, it took me back to that day where I got on the phone with direct TV and I told them I was out. There is nothing you can do to fix it. I'm done. Take me off your call list. Holla at me. And hung up the phone. It's not true. That's not at all how it went. But it was still a very liberating phone call. Well, there are a number of... There there, there are people who have... Including like state senators now and, and attorney generals who have gotten in on the act. They're angry that uh, cable and satellite distributors who have like... Um, what do they call regional sports packages, which which I had with DirecTV. I had a regional sports package in addition to, you know, all of the other outlandish, absurd money I spent for Sunday ticket and league pass and all of that crap. Um, 
they are like, yo, why are you charging people for a service that you can't provide? They've taken that a step further, and now they're calling out ESPN like, yo, you don't have any programming for us. You're airing games that we saw 20 years ago. Now, while you've got SportsCenter and you've got um, Get Up or whatever, you know, rinky-dink shows you put together like you've got all of this but that's not why you charge direct tv uh to carry espn that's not why you charge at&t or 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 comcast or xfinity or whoever that's not why you charge any of these companies to carry your 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 programming you do it because well you have that big uh nfl package for monday night you you have that big uh nba package well we're not getting any nba and right now we're not getting any NFL either. We're not getting any college basketball. We may not get college football. We're not getting anything from you. But yet you're still charging uh, these cable companies, you know, 9 to $10 uh, to carry your channels. Thus, those cable companies are charging us 9 to $10 to get those channels. Usually more than 9 to $10. And so now you've got like the New York state uh, uh, attorney general getting in on the act saying, you know, these, you know, these, uh, the, these uh, multi-channel video programming distributors, they, this is a, they've, they've got to reduce these fees. It's unfair to the customers. And now like everybody is rallying, like everybody is finding a cause to rally against. And this one actually makes complete sense. The regional packages. Regional sports package, really, like you've, I don't even know why. I, I, I know why we, I know why I signed up for it originally. I can't even remember the last time I used it. But you kind of, like, I don't know, like you do, you, you sign up for stuff and then you forget about it. And I think that's what happens so often with people, with people is you sign up for something and then you completely forget that you signed up for it and you're being charged, you know, nine ninety nine a month. Whether it's like a nine ninety nine standalone charge because you signed up for a free trial on something and you forgot to cancel it, or it's within you know a, a, like a cable bill where you know you have your basic pack, you know you you've got this package that comes with all of this different stuff and it's it's seventy nine ninety nine, but then you have this added package and this added service and the added package is nine ninety nine and this added part is five ninety nine. And when you really start to examine your bill, it's like holy shit, man, what is this? What am I paying for right now? Like, what is this $14.99 for tech services? What is that? And that was on my bill for, a, like, I, I had to track. It was on my bill for six months before I finally called and was like, what is this? How did this get put on here? Oh, well, the one time that you had a tech person out, uh, that was free. And because the tech person came out, we signed you up for our tech service. I was like, do you? You got a like a signature that says you could do that? Oh, well, that's just part of our program. Like, no, nah, man, you owe me. You can uh credit me 6 months of 14.99. But it, and, and and that's not and while I do hate DirecTV, that's not targeted at DirecTV. That's all cable companies. That's all satellite companies. That's really all companies. Period where you have additional add-on services, your phone uh, could be, you know, into that category. Your internet could be, you, you, you have a, a certain amount of, uh, of download and upload speed, but you could get the booster for nine ninety nine. Like, like what? Like, how do I get an internet booster? 
What do you send like a shockwave when I go to a, like, how does that work? How does the internet booster work? Oh, it just makes it faster. All right, man. Read your bills, kids. That's, that's the point I'm getting at. Read your bills. Look at your bank statements. Know what you're paying for. You could save so much money by examining your bills. Just, and I know, and, and that's, and I think, I think companies benefit from not having, you know, you know, you sign up for like uh, paperless billing and the, and they give you, you know, they give you, uh, uh, you know, we'll give you $2 off each month if you sign up for paperless billing. Most, I th- almost, I think almost all companies do that where you get like a special discount. And I think what they're banking on is when you get a bill in the mail, like you open it, you look at it and maybe you shred it because I, most people probably have like automatic, you know, draft payments going here at this point. And you get, and you get, you get, uh, you, you, you get credits for that as well. You get discounts for that. The reason you get all of those discounts is when that bill comes in the mail, uh, you might look at it, maybe you examine it, and then you file it away or you shred it or you do whatever you do with bills. When it's an e-bill, you might be in the middle of 10 different things and you get an email and I've got 50 other emails. There's the one from DirecTV that has my itemized bill on it. I don't have time to deal with that right now. It's going to get automatically deducted anyways. Then you stop, then you, you know, you, you completely lose track of what you're paying for. You stop paying attention to the services that you're actually buying. And that's what they're banking on. They're banking on you forgetting. That's why you get, that's what, every, every service that you sign up for offers you a, a here, try it out for a free month. But with that free month, you got to put in your credit card number because they're banking on you trying the service and forgetting to cancel after a month. And if you, obviously if you like the service, you stick around for it. If you don't, well, they're banking on you forgetting. And normally, you, in, in, <laughs> I can speak for myself, I may forget to cancel the service until I see the next you know, nine ninety nine or twelve ninety nine charge on my bill. Where it's like, what is this? Oh crap! And then you got to go in and and cancel it. That's that's what they're. That's why paperless billing exists. That's why automatic drafts exist. They want you to pay less attention to what you're actually paying for. This was a weird Friday show, man. I feel like I should end on something happier, but that like that's what I've. Scott Perry got an extension. I don't even know that that's a happy story. I like Scott Perry. I'm happy he's employed, but he's employed by the New York Knicks. So there's that. Leon Rose. I've completely forgot Leon Rose is in New York now. Scott is a well-respected basketball executive who I have known for more than 20 years, and I look forward to continue to work closely with him as we build a winning team in New York. More context, Scott Perry signed a one-year deal. So take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, and what I take that worth is Leon Rose is full of crap, and he's trying to figure out how he's going to get through these uh, uh, next few months and perhaps the next year uh, through this you know coronavirus stuff and how he's going to navigate all of this and how they're going to navigate the offseason. It's like, well, I certainly can't conduct a search right now, so I'm going to keep Scott Perry around for one more year. And that's not a knock. That doesn't have anything to do with Scott Perry. Scott Perry is obviously good at what he does. He's just stuck with the Knicks. He was in Sacramento for all of a week and a half, helped build that team that saw, you know, Garrett Temple and Vince Carter and Zach Randolph come in here and, you know, usher along the, the quote, young guys. And then, you know, 
couple weeks later, he was off. Uh, he was off to New York to take that job. And as soon as he got it, it was like, oh, happy for Scott, but uh, I don't wish anybody to go work for that New York Knicks organization. Uh, again, appreciate you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, whatever you're doing. And I know it's, I know you're probably not doing much, but regardless, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a safe weekend. Uh, and whatever happens over the course of the next few days, we'll be back here to discuss it all on Monday on the podcast with Damian Barling.